0: Chapter thirty of A Superfluous Woman by Emma Frances Brooke. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Bruce Peary. It was summer again, and it was summer in that most beautiful of all places, a fir wood. It had been hot for a week, so that the air was full of a most sweet aromatic odour, and the fallen needles of the pines made a sun-warm bed, and glowing light hovered over every leaf and blade and petal, and the flash of it was carried on the furry backs of squirrels and the wings of birds. In the air was a murmur of insects bees droned their music close to the flowers and the flies made theirs higher in the shadow of the trees and the wind in the topmost branches was continuous and very soft with a roll in it like the tumble of far-off seas and yet the volume of sound thrown out was low to human ears so that the patter of a dry leaf on the ground could be distinctly heard and the noise of the squirrel's clinging feet on the bark of the trees every now and then came the cooing of a dove or the cry of a woodpecker or the scream of a jay the rooks flew silently save for the rustle of their passing wings and now and then a soft complaint which did not rise to a caw it was the place for a summer holiday and dr cornerstone his wife and friend carteret had found it out the doctor leaned back against the trunk of a fir carteret was silently measuring the spaces between the branches of a tree with absent eyes and mrs cornerstone more thoroughly awake than either of the others was bending her quiet meditative face full of home memories and peaceful joys over some hand sewing and this upon examination proved to be a muslin pinafore to which she was adding the motherly tribute of embroidery she it was who broke the silence when you were telling us the story said she you always spoke of her as the superfluous woman The doctor opened his eyes and glanced at her. "'And you never told me her name,' continued she, still stitching. She was called by the beautiful name of a flower. Then I, if I had known her, would have told her she was no more superfluous than the beautiful flower she was called by. I would have shown her how to believe it but i am not quite sure that it would have been true said dr cornerstone mrs cornerstone looked at her husband reproachfully from beneath soft brown eyebrows we must be careful said carteret it seems we might easily slip into treason i am just a little fearful that my wife will touch this matter too romantically said the doctor oh no indeed returned mrs cornerstone in surprise and with a hint of indignation in her tone i am rash enough to think so replied her husband i did not think you would ever call me romantic said mrs cornerstone prose is so cold and unattractive said carteret i am afraid when women discover how prosaic equality is we shall not get them to accept it he glanced at mrs cornerstone with a twinkle in his eyes but she a model of composure sat on her seat of fallen fur spines without turning her head i dislike chaff said she with gentle dignity but you are both of you better than your own talk and neither of you mean what you are saying i think i do said cornerstone but come let us then talk now on an equality she flushed the sudden warm color and paused for her reply tilting her head a little backward and contemplating the light that made the oak underwood blaze as though we were three men said she or as though we were three women go on i will consent to listen and in the end i shall perhaps decide whether to keep my own standpoint or to condescend to yours might we not begin by inquiring what inequality is said carteret define it cornerstone between men and men the only definition is artificial inequality of conditions between men and women it is enforced inequality of development.' "'Stop a bit,' said Carteret. "'That wants redefining.' "'I mean that women, as a rule, are socially condemned to a too-exclusive development of one side of the nature, whereas the object in man is to bring out an all-round creature.' "'Yes,' said Carteret, in a judicial tone. "'I think you are right.' I believe I agree. Wait a moment, cried Mrs. Cornerstone in her turn, is this natural or artificial? The one-sided development? Oh, most entirely artificial. Hot-bed culture, I think. Others might not agree with me. Mrs. Cornerstone nodded her head once or twice emphatically. Cornerstone put in carteret irrelevantly did you ever search the dictionary for the meaning of the word honour i don't know that i have in webster you will find it defined under two heads honour for a man signifies integrity that is wholeness certainly for a woman however it means chastity is that so a man is a man and a woman merely a function that is a cruel thing cried mrs cornerstone does anyone consider that such a definition is false and a false definition may be accepted as though it were something final it is a cruel thing said the doctor gravely and the meaning of the inequality of the sexes was never better defined is any one to wonder if a woman should adapt her moral conceptions to the idea expressed said mrs Cornerstone with unusual heat in her tone i fancy it accounts for some dry rot in the ship's timbers all round said Carteret then cried mrs Cornerstone opening her hands and lifting her face i think i want a tempest to come neither of the men replied her work dropped on her knee and lay there in a soft heap her thimble a little bright spot escaped and rolled over the fir needles until her husband caught it with his foot the peace of the summer's day was apt to steal long pauses in between the conversation a squirrel holding a cone in its mouth ran along a bough near peeped at them from its safe position dropped the cone and with a simulation of terror scampered away the lord will not be in the tempest said the doctor when the shadows were longer by a quarter of an hour i suppose it is this stillness in the woods for i protest i am glad to hear you say it the dastard within me cowers at the thought of turmoil said carteret why not a tempest asked mrs cornerstone because replied her husband i do not think that wholeness was ever won by clamor a woman will conquer just as soon as she is in herself all she would desire to seem to be and not one hour earlier equality is not a thing that can be given it has to be won once won i do not think men will resist For all its fortresses the heart desires conquest, and loves no one like the conqueror." "'That is a very pretty remark,' said his wife. "'But there are too many ugly things said on the other side for me to be able to believe it.'" "'You are right, Mrs. Cornerstone,' said Carteret. "'Our manly egoism will defend itself against its death-wound.'" "'Besides, I do not like fighting,' said Mrs. Cornerstone firmly. "'I do not believe good comes of it. What is the use if we women add to the noise and turmoil in the world? We had better be quiet and safer.' "'Oh, no,' said her husband. "'You must not relapse into that.' "'It plays,' said Carteret rather dryly, "'too much into the hands of man.' ''Besides,'' added the doctor, ''I am not sure that the choice is left to you.'' ''He means,'' said Carteret, ''that the tendency of the age is toward equality, and its main business the break-up of monopoly, and no one can escape the influence.'' ''I am sure,'' said Mrs. Cornerstone, ''the spirit of the age cannot tell me to fight.'' ''Possibly not in the way you mean for the same impulse which urges women to take equality urges men to yield it mrs cornerstone took up her work again and her husband got the little bright thimble back and handed it to her the aim is not you know said he as she pushed her finger into it to take things and places the one from the other, but to have in the character the sort of qualities upon which the possession of them depends. "'Ah,' said Mrs. Cornerstone, "'the struggle is not, then, between women and men, but between women and life.' "'Now that fires me,' cried Carteret excitedly. There was a dream once that God became man. The dream of the future is that all humanity is many-sided man. Precisely, said the doctor. Give them but a headpiece. Wait, said Mrs. Cornerstone. All this is still too masculine. You have not consulted me, and I am by no means certain that I am pleased with it. I will have a new headpiece if you like, but I will choose it for myself, and all women shall not have the same. Her husband laughed delightedly. That is, of course, what is wanted. Resist, resist, and choose your own. Mrs. Cornerstone, who had a many-changing face, softly responsive to clear thoughts within, bent over her work and gathered it suddenly to her breast i have not yet said that i wish i had known the woman of your story if i had known her i would not have let her be beaten i would have taught her that no man had a right to call her superfluous and tell me in your heart do you think she was beaten i have asked myself the question said her husband There was more in the end of the tale than in the beginning, said his wife, and that is the most the best of us can attain. Return to the general, said Carteret. Need it be an execrable thing to be a woman? Mrs. Cornerstone smiled sweetly and leniently upon him. We must really beware of touching the problem too emotionally, said Cornerstone. It is favour and flattery that blow women up into air bubbles. Give them a fair field and no favour. Hound! Mrs. Cornerstone turned her face, soft danger in her eyes and on all the points and tips of her features, to her husband. I accept the bargain for the whole sex, said she gravely. I wish the rest of the world were of your mind said he it is pressure that brings the good wine out and we must avoid putting too much sympathy into the problem the mischief with women is that they are too sympathetic i am convinced it is an indication of contempt i have remarked that every woman thinks all men beneath her save the one she is in love with i am very much shocked at what you are saying indeed put in Mrs. Cornerstone, blushing, however, in a way that looked as though she recognized some truth in the remark. Do not mind him, Mr. Carteret. He does not talk like this when we are alone. "'But what is the average woman's conception of understanding men?' continued Cornerstone. Merely a facile adaptation of herself to his weakness, or possibly to his virtue. The women give us just what our egoism demands said Carteret. We reward her by treating her as an angel and alternating that by snubbing her as a growing boy. Both are exceedingly disagreeable said mrs Cornerstone and affect me as bad manners simply. I feel it difficult to excuse a treatment of myself as something that I am not. Her husband laughed you must be more lenient said he and pardon it the rougher conduct is merely the sign of the advance of thought man being more awkward than woman in accommodating himself to a change i think said mrs cornerstone playfully that we shall be able to teach him we are reasonable and adults that is precisely what he longs the best part of him to be convinced about Once make him sure of it i have always held said carteret that intellectuality is a necessary ingredient to fine emotion yes human nature is of a piece what is our best is their best the joy of earth is in mind and we have not been choice enough in our pleasures mrs cornerstone listened with parted lips and a half smile adam you see was the first coward and was frightened of the apple that eve dared to gather he promptly invented the voice in the garden and set her under said carteret admirable eve let her steal the apple once more And it is to be hoped she will give Adam the drubbing he deserves. I fancy not. Here and there, maybe, of course. But on the whole, the creature is of a fine generosity. She has a noble honour. One day she will teach the meaning of integrity to man. Oh, yes, indeed, said Mrs. Cornerstone softly to herself. So she will. Is he as perfect as he assumes? we need a lesson exclaimed carteret who had not caught mrs cornerstone's murmur do we not judge her life as of less consequence than our own and her suffering of less account i am afraid that is true i am afraid we must confess that we shuffle as much of our share of the burden of suffering as we can upon shoulders which it is convenient to us to name the weaker and to treat as the stronger true true i have before now remarked that so long as we keep in our eye webster's definition of a woman's honor and have not trespassed in that particular we adapt the rest of our honour to the insignificance of the subject as we conceive it what is a lie in a man's mouth to a man is not a lie to a woman and the whole masculine conception of integrity takes a lower tone when the question stands between him and one of the other sex so that a man have not seduced the purity of a woman of his own class but have left her intact to some other man's thirst he may cheat her commercially break his word to her insult her by a depreciating manner underpay her work add to his own plenty from her penury accept any sacrifice from her without repail cousin her with any sort of false promises and ease himself cheaply at her expense on any opportune occasion all this deleterious consequence to our manhood is the result of that websterian definition of a woman's honor which man's fastidiousness has conceived the distinction lurks at the back of every man's mind why argues he should i be whole in my conduct to a creature who has not wholeness in herself who is there not for herself or the world, but for me, for me." Mrs. Cornerstone rose to her feet, looking somewhat severe. "'Your tongue,' said she to her husband, "'is running away with you. This is really very extravagant language. Is this the place to debate matters with such extraordinary warmth? Listen." i protest i hear the woodpecker tapping oh really we have lost a great deal through not having sat silent do not mr carteret allow him to work himself up to a white heat any more for myself i am going where i can be still is this a london drawing-room that we should talk so much there have been moments when the sight of the winged creatures over there in the tops of the trees affected me as a kind of warning only be still they seemed to be saying and besides here she glanced upon her husband with a dewy eye i am convinced that only i really understand the story of that beautiful woman with the lovely name of the flower I am going where i can think about her and not theorize perhaps who knows i may discover that she is not so very distant from me after all if so i shall have the opportunity i wish for of telling her that she is not superfluous she glanced down again at the two men with a mysterious reproachful look when with a soft undulating movement she passed down the wood away from them, her skirt turning the leaves and flowers as she went, they followed her with their eyes. Upon her departing steps came silence. It was broken by the far-off cooing of a dove, a sound which stole the thought away to regions of leafy peace. Evening began to bring her deepening hues within the wood. Every leaf burned with an indescribable ethereal glow. The atmosphere was golden and amethyst tinted, and the light on the branches of the firs was red as flame. An unspeakable pomp and glory reigned, and neither had an inclination to break the embargo of silence which Dr. Cornerstone's wife had laid upon them. Thus passed away an hour of silent enjoyment the faces of the men changing and softening under the natural impressions at last with a mutual impulse they rose to go she was right said the doctor softly i have the sort of perturbation which too much talking leaves behind have you any assurance that we spoke since no said carteret but in the after silence i felt dreams like startled birds flying from my heart chapter thirty